Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Life. Glad you guys could be here today. If you would, just you can find a seat. That would be wonderful. That would be great. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If you are a guest with us in our main auditorium, I want to say hello to you. And I hope that uh, today is a day where your spirit is encouraged, it's inspired, and that God really you know, reveals himself to you in a powerful way. Um, I also want to say a big hello to all those worshiping with us down in our uh, venue um, that's on our campus here. Say hello to you guys, as well as uh, the group of people worshiping with us right now out in North Platte. So it's exciting to be one church in multiple locations all at the same time. It's a fantastic day in which we live. Now, last week I was actually out in North Platte um, in what I referred to as uh, New Life 3D, meaning that I was there, you know, in person. And um, it was fun to be out there with you. I did hear one comment back, and uh, the other, one of the comments from uh, one of the ladies out there was very nice. And she said, you know, I think I like him better when he's on the screen. So um, I know what she meant, and it came straight from her heart. So God bless you. Um, but no, it was, joy, it, was a, it was a blast to be out there. I mean, God's doing great things in our church today. Uh, amazing things that are happening, and it's just a fun time. So I want to also welcome you to December. This is our first Sunday of worship that we're having here in December. Welcome to the Christmas month. How many people are jacked up and excited about Christmas? Come on. Okay, so it kind of the meter went somewhere in there. It's good. I got challenged out in the lobby, actually, by uh, one of our teenagers you know, trying to uh, help me understand how he was going to get a much better gift than me and that, uh, you know, how I was on Santa's naughty list, which he's probably right about that. There's a number of reasons why I would be. But um, I'm expecting something great to come from Santa. Right, honey? Right. Okay. There you go. There you go. That's, uh, that's kind of how that all works. Um, no, have you guys, uh, have you ever been, um, you know, let's just talk about this Christmas thing. Have you ever been visited by an angel? I didn't think I'd get too many hands yet, all right? But, I mean, have you ever had one of those moments? What would you do if you got visited by an angel? What would your response be, right? How would you literally respond? I know you're thinking to yourself, well, I've never quite thought of that. So I don't really know how I would respond. Uh, my, my guess is that most of you could probably use one word to sum up the entire experience. Startled would be one word, right? Afraid could be another one. Startled. And uh, let's talk just about that for just a moment. It's important for today, setting up your heart and your mind going in the right direction. Have, when was the last time you were startled, right? Maybe the last time that you, you were startled may have been when you were driving your car, right? You're driving your car and then all of a sudden someone pulls out right in front of you, right? And you're, oh, you're startled, right? And your heart's pounding and you're, you just left a bunch of rubber on the street because you slammed your brakes on and you're thinking to yourself, I can't believe we just missed that. Or maybe you got startled over the holidays where you've got one of those cousins or a brother um, normally, um, weird cousin or brother, they kind of like all go together sometimes. And they're, they're hiding in some portion of the house and you go walking, you know, someplace and all of a sudden they jump out from behind uh, the corner at you and then they jump out and they go, hey, like that. You ever been scared like that? You ever been startled in that manner? Has that ever happened to you? And, you? and you lived, right? I mean, now, right, after you punched them in the face and they dropped down to the ground and they came back alive again and you worked it all out, your heart came back to normal. I, I understand that. Um, how about moments like when you've been walking through, have you ever walked through like this church late at night? I mean, I'm almost a full-grown man, right? And walking, walking through this church late at night, like 11 o'clock at night, right? It, it does something in your mind, 
It just does. Or if you ever walk through a warehouse or some big building or you've gone as a kid, you went, hopefully, you went downstairs into your basement, right, and all the lights were turned off. And then you figured out in your mind how you were going to get back upstairs, which you had to turn this light. And back in those days, we had to pull the chain, right? So back you had to pull the chain, run over to this light, pull that chain, and then, you know, you had just enough light to get upstairs. You found your way out of it because your mind does crazy things with you when you're walking through a building like this late at night at 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, all of a sudden you hear a noise. You're like, wow, what was that? What was that? You know, there's someone, someone in the building is... Someone back then, you start thinking like you see things, right? It's weird, isn't it? It does. I, I probably shouldn't be that vulnerable before you, but every once in a while, it happens. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I mean, it's a weird thing, and you got to tell yourself that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You can't think that way, and you just have to keep on going, right? Now, what I want you to picture is you're in prayer. And you're seeking God, you're worshiping God, you're praying, you got your Bible out in front of you, you open it up every once, you're reading some scripture, God, man, you're intensely pursuing God, and then all of a sudden you open your eyes up to this white, glistening glow of this being that looks like a man that is just glowing, and he says to you, greetings, favored one, and you're like, ah, right? Grown men drop to their knees. They pass out. I guarantee you the toughest among us would fall to their face and pass out. How would you respond if you ran into an angel? You'd probably be startled. That's what we find in Luke chapter 1. We find one angel, Gabriel, visiting two different people. And he's coming, bringing a powerful message that's going to change their lives and change our lives. And they are startled beyond belief. Luke chapter 1 is where we're at today. If you have a Bible, then flip with me there. If you use a smartphone device, then please go to Version and search for New Life Carney. You'll find our app that's out there. You'll be able to keep all of the scripture notes for the rest of the week. Um, you can track along with me. Today I'm just preaching out of Luke chapter 1. I invite you to join with me in the journey as we look at one angel who visits two different people and how they respond in that scenario. And out of this, I believe God's going to teach us some things. So let's jump into the moment. Historically, where are we at? On a timeline, where are we at? We are in Luke chapter 1. Um, he's picking up in a period where we're, 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 we've just gone through 400 years of silence. 400 years where God's voice hasn't been heard by the heart of man. 400 years where there's no prophet who's proclaiming, I know God's heart, I'm speaking that. You know, like prophets of old, Jeremiah, Isaiah, you know, there's no prophet during this time, we don't find any of what's in the, the Bible that we hold in our hands today. We don't find any of the books that were written during these 400 years. Nor do we see have, or have any account of the miraculous power of God being moved or, do, or, or having his way in 400 years. There's no like big miraculous thing that we write about, that we see, or that we read about. And so this is 400 years of sheer silence that's going on. Now during this time... The Israelites are in their homeland, but they're going through oppression after oppression after oppression. People like the Egyptians who had oppressed them in the past are oppressing them again. The Syrians are coming in. And then finally the Romans come in. And the Romans are trying to, you know, conquer the, all of the known world. They're trying to take over territory after territory after territory. The Israelites are just one of many of which they're trying to conquer and overcome. And they're doing a pretty good job of it. 
They're conquering the known world, and they are doing things like building infrastructure and, uh, and the logistics of, of what they're able to facilitate at that day and age is just fantastic. It's amazing. They're, they're trying to bring one language um, to all the territories. They're trying to bring one economy to all of the territories that they, that they have. They're bringing a road system to make uh, travel easier than it's ever been before. A communication system of taking messages so that the message from you know, the Roman emperor can get down to the governors, down to the people, down to the tax collectors, down to rule the people. They're, they've created this infrastructure where there's this hierarchy um, of power that's dominating the known world. But in that same time, the Jewish culture is either building and planting these synagogues in many different communities all over the place. And so there's this rapid expansion of Rome, but there's also an expansion underneath the oppression of the Israelites planting and building these synagogues. And all during this time, God has been silent. But one thing you need to know today, God didn't give up on his people. God was waiting for the right moment, at the right time. And it just so happens, Rome actually helped to bring the right moment at the right time with some of its infrastructure, with the message being able to spread rapidly with synagogues all over the place. And it's at this moment that God breaks the sound barrier, breaks the silence. And after 400 years of silence, God speaks. And when he speaks... In Luke chapter 1, it's a powerful, life-altering, earth-shaking, history-making moment that generations to come, you and me, are still experiencing the power of God breaking that silence and speaking at that moment. We happen to call it in 2014 Christmas. So when you jump into Luke chapter 1, you see that there is a, a family. They're the Christmas family. Zechariah, Elizabeth, and their relative Mary. And this family is what I would refer to as the Christmas family. If it weren't for them, we aren't here where we're at today. If it wasn't for them finding the favor of the Lord, we aren't here celebrating Christmas again. Elizabeth and Zechariah, the Bible says about them in Luke chapter 1 that they're old. Now, old is relative. You know, compare it old today to old then. It's going to be two different ages. But they're nevertheless defined in the Bible, which is accurate, and every word is accurate, as old. Now, not only old, but they are barren. They are without children. And to be without a child at that time was literally a disgrace. A a period of time where, as a woman and as a husband, that family would be looked at as, there's a curse on you. There is something that's not right. You know, God blesses with children. The Bible even says that that the Lord blesses you with children, that the children are a reward. Psalms talks about that. And that, you know, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children. So the more children you have, the more blessed you are. You don't have children. You aren't blessed of the Lord. And so here's Elizabeth and Zechariah who have been living their lives in this old age now, feeling this, um, this, you know, disdain and this despise from its community because they're looked up as cursed. Right? Now, in the midst of that, who is Zechariah? Zechariah, this man, he's a priest. In his day and age, he serves in a group of priests, and he rotates in and out of the temple doing more of the priestly type of duties, of which I don't really have time to get into all those details. But Zechariah would have been a man who would have studied what we call now the Old Testament. 
He would have been a man who looked at all of those books, the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. He would have memorized those even as a child. He would have gone through and he would have looked at all the other ancient scrolls that they would have had in the temple. He would have studied them. He would be putting pieces together, understanding God's word better than the average man. Uh, him and his wife, they were considered to be people that were very righteous before God. In fact, they were people that the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, that they followed God's law to the T. Take a look at it as we go through this story. We're just going to go through Luke 1, so follow with me. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were what? They were righteous in God's eyes. Careful to what? Obey all of the Lord's commandments and what? Even his regulations. In a period, think of it. In a period of time where God's been silent for 400 years, there's faithful people. You know what happens for us? I mean, I just haven't felt God in like the last 30 days. Man, I'm just going to abandon this, do my own thing. God just hasn't been speaking to me. You know, it's like I've been going through this desert for the past year. I'm going to do my own thing. For 400 years, generation after generation, it's as if God's voice was silent. And what do you find on the tail end of that? You find a husband and a wife who are sold out to God's law, sold out to obeying it. So much so that the Bible says that they had found favor with God. It's awesome. That's a great example for you and me today. When we go through desert times, we go through those moments when it's as if, where is God? Now, you know Zechariah, he's an old man. He's got a lot of life experience. I mean, he's not just an old man, but he's a priest. Priest at that time, you know, a, a highly regarded, a highly respected person in his community. He's got a lot of life experience. He's got a lot of wisdom to share. Zechariah, it was chosen in Luke chapter 1. He is now chosen. He's going to the temple to serve. And he's getting ready to do something for the first time in his life as an old man. Which, by the way, as a priest, he only gets to do once. There was a great population of priests. And they were chosen only once in life to do this one act of worship. All the other priests stayed outside of this room that was referred to as the holy place. Inside of there were a few different articles of worship. One of them was a table of incense. And he would go in, one priest would go in, they would burn incense, while others would stay out and they would pray. Zechariah had never been given this opportunity and some priests lived their entire lives and they never got the opportunity. Zechariah in his old age in Luke chapter 1, he gets to go in and he's the only guy. And he's going to offer up the incense, which is a great formula, formula of prayer. It's a great picture of prayer to God. And as all the people pray, this incense is burned in God's presence. He gets this fantastic opportunity. Take a look in Luke chapter 1 verse 9. It says, as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot. Meaning, how many of you priests have never had this opportunity? They put them all together, and then they cast this lot. They choose one of them through this sequence of events to, to, en to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. It's a great honor. And in Luke chapter 1, part of the Christmas family, that's where we find Zechariah. In this place, he gets to do something that no one else gets to do, right? But while he's there and he's praying and he's burning this incense, something fantastic happens. God breaks the sound barrier and an angel shows up on the right side of the incense table. An angel shows up. That's right. He's praying. He opens up his eyes. Whoa! What in the world's going on? And he sees this angel, which is a very significant, it's a big thing. 
I mean, Zechariah had been reading about people that had seen angels in the Old Testament, reading about people that had experienced God, but Zechariah had never had that happen to him. He didn't know anybody that had had that happen to him. There was no one walking around that had the story of what happened. There was nothing new going on for 400 years. But all of a sudden, Zechariah, the sound barrier is broken. And there is God in in angelic form standing there delivering a message straight from the throne room of God. What do you think his reaction was? Well, let's take a look. (laughs) Verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. And was gripped with fear. Isn't that what we talked about earlier? Most of you would be startled if you saw an angel. Physically, he's startled and he's gripped with fear. And the angel went on to tell him some amazing things. He said to him, hey, I know that your wife and you are in old age, but your wife's going to have a baby. What? Yeah, and we're going to tell you what to call him. His name's going to be John. You know what John's going to do? John's going to help many people turn their hearts back to God. You also know what John's going to do? Because that's cool, but that's not enough. John's also going to be the one who proclaims that the Messiah is coming, the Son of God's coming. He's going to be a voice piece of God, proclaiming it to the people, turning the hearts of people back to God. So you would assume that Zechariah, with all of his wisdom, with all of his life experience, with this man who's a priest, who knows God's word, who knows what's possible with God, you would assume that he would go, <laughs> this is awesome. I get chosen for this? This is amazing. Wouldn't you assume that's what he said? That's not what he says at all. Look in verse 18. He says, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. The guy sounds more like Eeyore, right? Off of, what's the show? Winnie the Pooh, right? What can happen to me? Can't believe it. Are you serious? I'm just living out my life. What? He starts doubting God. His angel shows up. Nobody has heard at all. And here he is. What an honored position. And he's like, how can I be for sure? Prove it to me. Are you serious? You don't have enough evidence in the fact that Gabriel, an angel that stands in the presence of God, we're not talking about some angel with some remedial task like, hey, go, go clean, uh, you know, S Street. It's got a little dust on the gold. Go clean that off, will you? No, we're talking about an angel that stands in the presence of God. God looked him eye to eye, voice to voice, spoke into his ear, said, take this message down there to him. And he's going to doubt. And we can't really, like, beat him up too bad. I mean, we doubt about a lot of things at times, right? More frivolous things. Like, I doubt every time I see some kind of advertisement. You know, there's always got to be a catch to it, right? Hey, you can, you can buy a brand new 2014 F-150 truck for $10,000. Like, man, this is the best commercial. Whoa, where do I go do this? Asterisk down at the bottom with a $20,000 down payment. Right? You're like, what in the world? How did, what? Seriously? Wait, you, get a, you can get a free sandwich. Free, free, free Saturday. Free sandwich giveaway. Whoa, seriously? Let's go. This is going to be the cheapest date ever. Asterisk, buy one, get one free. You know, so there's always this reason when I see advertisement cause me to doubt. But what happens when you doubt someone that you really love or that you trust? You ever done that before? Or have you ever had someone that loved you and trusted you doubt you? How did that feel? Did that end well? Did they just go, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. I know you, you doubted me, but I know we've been friends for like 10 years and 
you know, we've had a lot of experiences, but I understand if you wanted to doubt me. No, it didn't go like that at all. It's like, I can't believe you. Who, who do you think you are? We've been friends for 10 years, and now you doubt me of whether I can actually prove my, what, what? I thought we had something. We got nothing. This friendship is built on nothing, right? It's offensive when you, when you break that bond and you don't trust someone. And here's Zechariah, who is breaking that bond and going, I doubt highly doubt that what you're saying can actually happen to the one by the way that he loves, that he serves, and that he knows. Interesting point, though. You know that God's plan went forward anyways, regardless of his doubt? And God has a plan for humanity that's going to change the way humanity has relationship with him. Nothing, not even you, is going to stand in God's way. Sovereign, holy God is going to fulfill his plan. Now, what happened for Zechariah because of his doubt was this. Zechariah, okay, well, then evidently i got to do something else to prove it to you. So the, so the angel shut Zechariah's mouth. He couldn't say a word. So now he's been in this room for too long. They're worried about him outside thinking he's probably dead. Someone's going to have to go in and get his dead body because he did something wrong in the act of worship. Zechariah comes walking out, and they're like, dude, what have you been doing in there? And he's like, that's how it happened. I mean, pretty much like that. Pretty sure it's exactly what he said. He's just like freaking out, pointing around. And so they know something has happened. We know you've seen something. And so he is mute like this. Or the word I like in the King James, if you have that version, it's, he's called dumb. All right? So that's a, little, that's a little harsh. I got it. But he's mute. His mouth is closed. He can't say anything for nine months long. He gets home. Sure enough, exactly what the angel said begins to happen. Elizabeth, you know, becomes pregnant. And uh, for, six, for six months, no one knows about her pregnancy because she hides. Why do you think she hides? She hides the fact that she's pregnant because, and she is old in age. She's already felt the disgrace of not having a baby. Now can you imagine at old in age, you're thinking to yourself, what's the likelihood of this pregnancy going all the way through to full term? I don't want anybody to know about this. I'm going to keep it quiet. Because when this pregnancy, you know, ends in a miscarriage, I don't want to have that disgrace on me as well. But six months into her pregnancy, something fantastic happens. And Mary is visited by the very same angel. Now, Mary, I mean, we, we know. If you, if you know, you know anything about Christmas, you know Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's young, right? She's not married. She is a virgin, but she's also found favor with God. But Mary has nowhere near the experience in life that Zechariah has. Mary's not in full-time ministry. You know, Mary has been studying the, the Pentateuch, and if she's really done well as a child, raised in a, in a home of an Israelite, then she's probably learned most of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Beyond that, she probably doesn't have all the pieces that she's putting together. You know, here she is. She's a woman in a, in a man-driven culture. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears to her out of nowhere with this amazing greeting. Take a look at it in verse 28. It says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Out of nowhere, this angel shows up, greetings. I mean, how would you take that? You'd be wondering to yourself, me? Are you serious? Look at the next verse. You can kind of get a glimpse into her emotions and what was going on. In verse 29, it says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Let's just take a look at that. She's caught up on the greeting. Here I am, 
right? And here, here I am, I'm highly favored of the Lord? Are you serious? How does, how does God even know me? She didn't know about the angel showing up to Zechariah. They've kept it quiet. He can't speak. He's mute. Right? And she's hiding the pregnancy. So she doesn't know. All she knows is that no one's ever seen an angel. No one's heard from God for generations, hundreds and hundreds of years. She's trying to figure this all out. I'm favored of God. God even knows me. God, you serious? And here I am, and I've been chosen, and the Lord's with me? She's just trying to figure all of this out. Notice that reaction, right? She's confused, and she's troubled just by that simple greeting. But you well know that that's not, what, that's not where it ended. The angel went on to tell her some pretty profound things that changed her life. Oh, and by the way, Mary, you're pregnant. What? Seriously? Yeah, and your baby's going to be powerful. And your baby, your baby's going to have a kingdom that's going to last forever. You can imagine, here's this teenage girl going, what? I'm pregnant? Are you serious? What are my parents going to say? What's Joseph going to say who I'm engaged to and I'm supposed to be married to? What's he going to say? This is, this is nuts. My life is it's over. It's ruined. You could see a person thinking that way. But that's not what Mary does at all. Mary does not just the complete opposite. She does something more righteous and more holy and more faith-driven than I think almost any of us in this room would probably do at a moment like that. And in verse 38, this is what she says. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Big difference between the way that she responded and the way Zechariah responded. And I think that's where we want to dial down to today. In this story, we want to look at how they both responded because I think there's something there that we can learn from. In some versions of the Bible, the word troubled is used to describe how Zechariah felt towards the angel, and the word troubled is used how Mary felt. That would be an inaccurate interpretation of the ancient language because the original language that that was written in actually has two very distinct different responses that these two individuals have. Zechariah, if you remember, he was shaken and he was afraid. He was physically moved in such a way that it actually caused him to, he couldn't get over the fact, as he's not just shaken like physically, like shaking like this, he's shaken on the inside, like his whole world is turned upside down. He, he's inside out. I mean, he doesn't even know what to think right now. And fear is coursing through his being, like, oh, what's going to happen to me? I've never seen anything like this. He should have known more than anybody that was God in, a, in holy presence. He should have done what, every, what a lot of people did when they saw angels, bow down and let the angels say, don't bow down to me. You worship the king of kings. But he didn't even do that. He's afraid. He doesn't even know what to do. And in that fear, he doubts God. It's out of his fear that he doubts God. And because of that fear, he could have been known as a man of great faith. Like, let it be so in my family. Let me and my wife raise John. But instead, he's not even really known as a great man of faith. There's a whole list of great men of faith. You're not going to find Zechariah on there. That's unfortunate. He had his moment. Mary, on the other hand, that word troubled for her, it literally means a great distress or a mental anguish. And even intimidation. But to associate great fear with her troubled would be inaccurate. 
She was wrestling with this thing in her mind, in her heart. She was in great distress, and she couldn't figure out all the pieces. She was trying to put them together. Here she is, just a young girl. She's seen by an angel. And then the angel goes on to tell her that she's pregnant, and that her son is going to be the Messiah, and that you know great things are going to happen, and that she's highly favored of the Lord. I would say that, that Mary was more in a state of what we would call shock. Shock. And you know what? So would you. Here you are, and your whole world's being turned upside down. She's in a state of shock. But in a state of shock, when many of us would think random crazy things like me walking through a dark building late at night, even as an adult sometimes, she gathers up all of those thoughts and follows the heart of obedience all the way to be able to say something radically different than Zechariah. I am the Lord's servant. And basically... Do whatever you want to do, God. That's powerful. How would you respond if the angel, if an angel of the Lord came to visit you and started sharing, you know, the purpose of your life with you and pulled back the veils and made it go from black and white to color? You know, if you're sitting here today and you're dreaming a dream of God and you're running with it, have you shared that with others only to find out that they told you it's impossible or that's crazy or that it's foolish to even think that way? You ever had anybody do that? I remember when I was called to ministry, and I was working on it. I have four kids, and I'm, you know, going, going to work and I'm, uh, during the day, and I'm working on college courses at night, trying to get all of my Bible courses in. And I've got this older gentleman that's very, I, I trusted him. I, I believed in him. You know, he had a lot of influence. And he sat me down one day in a back, back pew of a church, and he looked at me, and he goes, Jeff, I don't know why you're dreaming this dream to become a youth pastor. you got four kids. There's not going to be any church that's going to be able to afford and help you raise that family. That's a foolish dream. I just remember inside of my spirit going, I'm not going to believe that. That's not true. That's not God's voice. That's a man that has good intentions, but that's not God's voice. Even here at New Life, we're dreaming audacious prayers. We're dreaming, we're dreaming crazy things that we sense that God's speaking to us, like planting the venue down in the gym so we can keep growing the church. Planting the church out in North Platte, which had 144 people last week. It's amazing. It's awesome. Planting that kind of a thing. I mean, that's what we're doing around here. We're wanting to see people's lives transformed and changed. And so we're taking great faith steps where others are saying to me, that's crazy. Why would you do that? It's hard enough just to grow one church. And now you've got two locations and three locations and you're dreaming for more? Yeah. Yeah, we're dreaming for more, not because we're crazy, but because we believe out of one healthy church, and now out of two healthy churches with North Platte added on, we can plant even more healthy churches. And we can bring a healthy church to a community that's lacking one or doesn't have one. Or we can come alongside struggling churches, and we can help them grow to become healthy in their community. There's a lot that we can do that are way beyond what's going to happen inside of the four walls of a, of a location in Kearney or in North Platte. And we've been dreaming those things, and God's been doing fantastic stuff. We've been seeing miracle after miracle. we got more people coming to church at New Life right now than ever before. People are seeing their lives transformed, lives changed. I heard amazing testimonies last week of people coming off of meth, people being in desert times for 20, 30 years, and God awakening their spirit. And you know, God's doing some things in your life as well. It's amazing what's going on right now. This is awesome. Why? Because we chose to dream the dream that God spoke into our hearts and take a step out there and say, God, we will go with you. Here I am. I'm your servant. What are you saying to me? I'll follow you. Man, 
that's what God's asking out of you as an individual as well. There's something else I want to share with you. I want to bring it down to the brass tacks and do something pastors don't often do. I want to share with you some finances and what's been going on around this place. Because in the midst of planting all these locations, it takes money. And we came to you and we said, hey, we're going to do this renovation out in North Platte. It's going to take a lot of money. And we're going to redo the face of the building, and we're going to redo the auditorium, and redo the, the lobby, and take care of some painting in some other rooms. And I challenge you to help give towards that. And you know how much you, how much you pledged to give? You pledged to give this amount, $68,735. And as a board, we were ecstatic. We were like, wow, we can do a lot with $68,000, you know, plus some other funds that we had sitting on the sidelines. And man, we went out there, and, and if you've been out to North Platte, you would say, We've done some great stuff together as a church. It's awesome. But did you know that as of the end of November, your pledges, you've actually given $72,406? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. That's worth clapping over. I just want to know, which one of you broke your pledge? All right? Which one of you guys gave more than what you said you were going to give? No, the truth of the matter is that more people have been jumping on that didn't make a pledge that have been giving. And that's a great place to be, right? It's awesome. I want to thank you. Thank you for, for giving and helping us make that dream that God put in our heart come true. Did you know during that whole time, though, we had just built this building where we added on our children's wing, our high school wing, and we added on to our offices. And that construction was happening over the last number of years. And, um, you know, we've been into that building for the last couple of years. But did you know that even that a few years ago, we, we made a commitment that we said we were going to build this building. And it was going to cost us $2,649,930 to add on to this building. And that before the construction was done and we had to take out the actual loan, you guys gave a tremendous amount of money towards that because you sensed God speaking to you this crazy dream that God came and he spoke and we followed it. Even when others said, it's crazy, don't do it. And there was so much money given towards that that when we had to actually take out the loan on that new addition, this is how much we took the loan out for. $1,176,560. You gave the difference. And that's, that is unheard of by itself. And now we've been paying off on that note, on that loan, for the last two years. Here's where we're at now. We only owe $91,079 on all of that. That is fantastic. Praise God, huh? God, you're doing great things. Guys, God's doing great things. He's working a miracle among us because we stepped out and we chose to believe like Mary believed. When she says, I'm just your servant. Use me. Do with me like you want to. What I have, my resource, my, in her situation, her body, here it is. I'm giving it to you. And you guys have been doing that. You've been saying, God, here's our resources. I'm going to give it to you. I want to do something that I, I think for the very first time that any pastor in the history of all pastoring is going to do. I'm going to ask you to do something. Stop giving. There's an asterisk, though. All right, so uh, just want to make sure you know. Advertisement-wise, there, there is an asterisk. So I want you to stop. Now, I give as well. I, I felt like God spoke to me and said, I want you to give X amount of money to the North Platte renovation. Okay. But I'm, so I'm speaking to myself as well. I want us to stop giving to the North Platte renovation. That, that's done. Any more money you put there, it just puts something in the board's lap, and the board's going to have to decide where is that money going to go. Because 
where we've renovated to the point we feel like we should renovate. And so even for Jeff Baker, who sensed God speak to him, what is it that, what is it that we can do? I want, I want to challenge you. Help us pay off that $91,000. Let's, let's be prayerful. Let's be generous. Let's be people that even at this end of the year, consider giving an end of the year gift to helping us pay off the $91,000. Let's get that debt off of our books. Let's move into this next year with as little debt as possible so that we can be free to continue to grow God's kingdom when God speaks to us and takes us where we need to go. I want to challenge you to do that, just like I'm challenging myself. So let's consider, what can we do together? God's been dreaming this dream. We've been stepping out there. Let's continue walking in obedience before God. Let's continue to do that. Now, if you're in North Platte and you're tithing and you're giving, you need to know that's a whole different bucket. We need you to continue to tithe and give in North Platte. Those funds are used for the, the everyday budget of the church. We're talking about the North Platte renovation. I want you to consider doing that with me. Because God's doing great things. And let's just team up with him and keep taping those steps. All right? Now, in this story, there's a moment where there's great hope. The hope of Jesus is shared. This angel shows up and says, John the Baptist is going to proclaim that the Savior's coming. The angel shows up and says that Jesus, Jesus is coming. The Savior of the world that's going to set men free from their sins. He's going to die and give his life. So that man might have a relationship with God. And that message came in Luke chapter 1. And that message, that message we call Christmas is still being proclaimed to this day. You and me are the church. You and me still are the beacons of hope and life. Where the, where the presence of God lives in us. The power of the Holy Spirit lives in us. And it's our mission to go out onto the streets and proclaim that good news. Not just at Christmas. But 24-7. 365 days a year. That's still our mission. What started in Luke chapter 1 is still happening to this very day. And God is, has not gone silent since that day. And he's not going silent today. In fact, his voice only wants to increase its influence in our community. But he was going to do that through people like you and me if we'll step out in faith and trust him. And there's, the Bible, by the way, is full of amazing stories of hope. Luke chapter 1 is just one of them. That's why we're doing Walk Through the Bible on January 17th. And I want you to give your family a Christmas gift and come to walk through the Bible. Because you're going to go through the whole Old Testament and you're going to learn some fantastic stories of hope. And what happens to your life, by the way, when you deposit stories of hope from God's Word into your heart? What do you think happens to your life? Your life's transformed. You think differently. You act differently. You live differently. You'll, be, you'll get yourself into a position like Mary was. Where you'll be able to say, when the Lord challenges you, yes, Lord, here I am, use me. Well, let's wrap up with one last scripture that comes out of Luke chapter 1 that I wanted to deposit right at the end. Because I know you'll remember it if I put it right at the end. All right? Here's what I want you to walk away with in verse 37. Read it with me. For nothing is impossible with God. Read it with me one more time. For nothing is impossible with with God. Did you know that's what the angel said to Mary right after he told her that your, your relative Elizabeth, who's very old in age, is, is, is pregnant right now and that you're going to have a baby? That the angel looked Mary in the eye and said to her, Nothing is impossible with God. That angel came straight from the throne room of God. I think that angel knows what he's talking about, which, by the way, the angel doesn't speak on his own behalf. Who does the angel speak on? Whose behalf? God's behalf. 
that was literally God saying to you and me today, nothing's impossible with me. You have something right now you're facing that seems impossible, nothing's impossible with God. You have some dream right now that's been buried deep inside of your heart that you're not living out, that God spoke to you, and you're thinking it's not possible. I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. You think a church is taking on too much debt and it's building a building too large because it loves people and it wants to reach more people and empower more people and it wants to see more people come into the kingdom and you're going, that's crazy. I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. God's calling you into full-time ministry. Nothing's impossible with God. God's challenging you to believe for a healthy marriage. Nothing's impossible with God. God's challenging you to believe him for a child, a son or a daughter who has walked away from him. Nothing is impossible with God. God's challenging you to start tithing and you barely have enough money to survive on. Nothing is impossible with God. If you want to know the crux, the bottom line, everything comes boiling down to this one point. The whole message sits on this one little tip. It comes from the heart that nothing is impossible with God. And if you think that there's something that's bigger or greater than God, then that's where you're just going to sit stagnant in your life. Start dreaming the dream. Because I'm telling you, God's speaking today. We're not in 400 years of silence. God's speaking to your heart. And he's challenging you to do something, be something, reach out and love people better and greater than you ever have before in your life. And it's not impossible. It is possible. But today, you're going to have to turn your heart to God. and Say, God, here I am. I'm your servant. Go for it. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. God, as we stand in your presence today, we know that you're here among us and we know that you're speaking to us. And Lord, I am so thankful that you broke the sound barrier of silence after 400 years with, with a message that transformed humanity. It wasn't just any message. It wasn't just one prophecy. It was a message that brought hope so that our lives could be transformed and changed today through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lord, you're still calling us to that same relationship. So what a powerful, powerful message that you broke the silence to share May we hear that message. May we not just take it for granted. May it not just be another Christmas for us. But may we connect with the true heart of this Christmas message, which is nothing's impossible with you. Yeah, we're going to go through another moment where we celebrate, we eat a meal together, we share gifts, and we sing some songs. We come to a Christmas Eve service, and Lord, we put you first. But Lord, beyond that, you're reminding us in January Nothing's impossible with you. You're reminding us in July, nothing is impossible with you. May that message truly sink into our hearts. So Lord, when you come and you speak to us, and you challenge us to love someone at work that we just despise right now, that we, that we would not be troubled in our hearts trying to figure it all out, but we would just simply say, yes, Lord, nothing's impossible with you. Use me however you want. Whatever the challenge is that comes in our future, may that be the response of this church. But as long as I get to be in this position and lead in the way that you called me to, God, may we be a church that just says yes to you. Yeah, we'll count the cost. But may we have audacious faith to believe you for the things that others consider impossible. May we believe you for the things that others consider to be foolish. 
May we believe you for the things and take action on, on your calling on our lives where others would just be content sitting on the sidelines. May we be that kind of a church. And may this church be that type of people in our community. So God, may you challenge us today during this time of worship just to hear your voice and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me however you want. In Jesus' name, amen.